Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Have you forgotten how it felt that day? See your homeland under fire and her people blown away. Have you forgotten when those towers fell? We had neighbors still inside going through a living hell. And you say. Well, I am one American that has not forgotten, and I doubt that you have either, but can you believe it has been 19 years since the attack on America, 9-11-2001, and as I think about that event in my life, it is it was one of the most dramatic and one of the scariest times that we have gone through, and to look to where we are now, it's just amazing. I made the comment to a friend the other day about, you know, you see the headlines, you see the protesting going on in the cities, you see all the strife in our country. And when you look at the age group of people that are making the most noise and the most destruction, the looting, the robbing, the killing, it seems like they're all 25 or under. So they were either too young to remember that frightful day of 9-11-2001, or they weren't even born yet. So they don't even know. And I made this statement to a friend of mine recently. I miss the Americans of September 12th, 2001, when we were all one neighborhood. We were all one city. We were all one country. We were all one family. And it's just, it's kind of sad to see where we've come in 19 years. But uh, I have not forgotten, and I'm certain that you have not either. But uh, 9-11, 2001, uh, is a date that I will never forget. I'm sure you won't either. You know, it seems uh, kind of trivial uh, that this past week's headline, the biggest headline of the whole week, is how President Trump told Bob, Bob Woodward that he knew Feb- in February that COVID-19 was deadly stuff, but he wanted to play it down. And the president has been ripped apart because he was trying to uh, show calm. He actually said uh, this past week, we have to show calm. Certainly, I'm not going to drive this country or the world into a frenzy. We wanted to show confidence. We have to show strength. And I would suggest to you that uh, whatever channel you watch uh, for your news, uh, as far as network news goes, I would I would encourage you to check what the other side is saying in their news reports. Now, if you watch CNN or MSNBC, 
Uh, I, I suggest you check out Fox and how that's being delivered. And if you are a Fox watcher, I want you to go to those liberal channels and I want you to watch and see how things are delivered that way. It's almost like uh, the difference between the presidential um, uh, candidates and the DNC and the RNC and how their, their conventions were displayed for the world to see. It's just a different time that we're living in. But uh, as far as the, the president uh, trying to you know, keep us all calm by maybe downplaying it a little bit, certainly his actions were uh, critical in shutting down travel from China and other parts of the world earlier than a lot of people wanted him to. Of course, people you know, slammed him about doing that, being uh, xenophobic, which to me is just, uh, it, it's just crazy. I believe that President Trump could say that the sky is blue and 50% of the people will disagree with him, and 5% of the people uh, will do worse uh, you know, to him than is probably expected. It's just, it's, it's a very sad state of affairs. But let, let's talk about some things that are going on in this world that uh, are changing, right? Uh, there's more people getting back to work or trying to get back to work. And if you are without a job, I uh, don't know if you've seen this uh, headline, but uh, over 29 million Americans uh, filing for unemployment and many are still searching for work, there is going to be a huge career day. Amazon, of course, they're trying to take over the world. Uh, Amazon just announced their first virtual career day with plans to hire 33,000 corporate and tech jobs. So if you're in the uh, tech world, this may be perfect for you because uh, Amazon has created a free, first-of-its-kind virtual career fair that could help you land a six-figure job and one-on-one uh, -on -one career coaching. This is fantastic for people that are looking for work or maybe you're looking for a little change. So check that out. That's going to be coming up September 16th. So you'll definitely want to get online and find out all that you can to see if there is a place in the Amazon world that could be a good fit for you. I mean, six-figure incomes are hard to come by. That may be right up your alley. Uh, you know, the other thing is, you know, if you think of the big retailers of the world, you've got Amazon and, you know, they bring it right to you. Well, Walmart has definitely been uh, doing their due diligence to try to compete with Amazon because that's their biggest uh, direct competitor, although Walmart is the biggest retailer on the planet. Walmart is testing drones to deliver groceries in this move to keep up with Amazon because Amazon just recently had their FAA uh, you know, qualifications, paperwork in order uh, to work with the FAA so the drones you know, don't get in the way of other aircraft that are out there. But Walmart said Wednesday it has launched a pilot in Fayetteville, North Carolina with drone company Flytrex to deliver select grocery items and essential house items, which is pretty amazing. The technology now where you can get on your device, your phone or your, uh, you know, your laptop or your tablet and put an order in and Walmart has it all ready for you. You just, you know, go pick it up at the store. Uh, of course, they have delivery, but drone delivery, that is uh, definitely a new thing. Even Walmart says, we know that it'll be some time before we see millions of packages delivered via drone, uh, but that still feels like a, a bit of science fiction. But we're at a point where we're learning more and more about the technology that is available and how we can use it to make our customers' lives easier. So, heck, you may never have to leave the house again. No, that's, that's not a good thought either, is it? Uh, so that's a couple of exciting things that are going on in the world of retail shopping and retail jobs. And I'm sure Walmart's going to be hiring some drone pilots. Hey, I should brush up on my drone skills. You've heard me talk about my love of drones. And another big monster company on the planet is Apple. And they are launching a new product next week 
Uh, but it may not be the hotly anticipated 5G iPhone, uh, but they have announced uh, an event's going to happen on Tuesday. You'll be able to watch it from the comfort of your whatever, wherever you are on your device. They didn't even say what the event would be about, but it came with a tagline, Time Flies. So some people are talking about they may be unveiling the latest version of the popular Apple Watch. So if you have one of those and you're looking to upgrade or you're like me, kind of on the fence, I haven't pulled the trigger yet on one of those but I'd like to. I'd like to get one. Uh, In addition to two new Apple Watch models, Apple Watchers are also looking for the company's first-ever over-ear headphones released under the Apple brand rather than doing the Beats thing, uh, which I've never done. I I actually do the headphones that go in the ear hole, and I know they say that could damage your eardrum, but uh, over the ear, you know, to, you know, like uh, picture your Beats headphones that you see people wearing on a plane to knock out all the outside noise. The uh, little earbuds that they have just don't really seal off your your ear hole, so you hear a lot of you know surrounding noise. So I'm actually excited about it because I am an Apple guy. You may be a Droid person, but I'm an Apple iPhone guy, and so I'm looking forward to that. Uh, they did say that the delay of their annual iPhone keynote, which is he- normally held in September, uh, may be delayed a month due to production bottlenecks in Asia. But we're going to have to wait on that event. Well, stick around. We've got a, a full couple of hours including a visit with uh, the herpetologist at the St. Louis Zoo. Something very strange has happened there in the last uh, 45 days or so about a snake, a really old snake, that actually hatched some eggs, and this snake is over 50 years old, so it's kind of odd this has happened. And it's not so much about the age of the snake, it's the fact that uh, she has not had a partner near her in over 15 years. So we'll talk to uh, the, the, the chief herpetologist at the St. Louis Zoo. Plus, if you're a Chiefs fan, we have a brand new book. It's a it's a coffee table book, and it's uh, called Keys to the Kingdom. So we're going to talk about that in the second hour and get a, a, a really a close-up uh, peek at what this book is all about and how it came to be. Plus, if you're still confused about uh, absentee ballots and mail-in voting, well, there's a notary may be important for you to know, and we have a notary that we're going to talk to in the second hour as well. Uh, plus, a great conversation is going to start next with uh, sports director Tom Ackerman, who uh, was probably one of the most heartbroken fans. Of course, a lot of Cardinals fans were when they heard the that the death of Lou Brock had happened last week. Well, my buddy Tom Ackerman wrote a beautiful piece that you can find on KMOX.com. It's, it's just written so eloquently, and I, I encourage you to read that. But I want to talk to him because Tom was not only a fan of Lou Brock, of course, with our Cardinals, but he was also a colleague. They worked together on several events, charity events, things like that. But they were also like really, really close friends. And I, I, I really, I would like to, you know, just, you know, ask Tom Ackerman some questions, some personal questions on his interactions with Lou Brock. Because uh, by all accounts, Lou is probably one of the best, if not the best ball player uh, that had lived. And uh, so we're going to talk to Tom Ackerman next on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. My name is Bo Matthews. Stay right there. It's going to be a full couple of hours and I don't want you to miss any of it. It's the voice of St. Louis KMOX. My name is Bo Matthews. And as everybody knows by this point that this past week, we lost a Cardinals legend. Lou Brock died at 81 years old and Immediately, my mind goes to all of the games and all of the hits and all of the bases stolen, uh, which I don't have. I don't have the the memory capacity 
of that, but I know who does. And Tom Ackerman, uh, the voice you know and love when it comes to sports in St. Louis, he's the guy. And so I've got him on the phone because he wrote a beautiful article on KMOX.com. But, you know, you can read it. Uh, and really enjoy it. And there's a, a clip of uh, Lou Brock breaking a single season record with stolen bases. But even though Tom Ackerman was two years old when the record was set, uh, uh, that he set back in 1977, I wanted to talk to Tom because it's almost like when you read this article, this uh, this uh, blog that he had wrote, it's almost like he was there with him all 81 years of his life. Tom, uh, welcome to my show, man. Thanks for uh, taking some time. Well, I appreciate the kind words, and it is good to be with you. It's so it's so true, though. When you read this, it, it almost reads as though uh, you were a lifelong friend, although and and you were a lifelong fan for sure. Do you remember the first time you were aware of Lou Brock and who he was as a child watching a game or listening to a game? I I would say as a kid growing up, you know, my earliest memories of the Cardinals are the early 80s. So I was in attendance in 1982 uh, for some of that World Series. And I grew up as a fan, so I was aware of Stan Musial, Bob Gibson, Lou Brock, Red Shandings, all the greats that came before the team that I adored, which was 82 and especially 85. Right which had Ozzie and Willie and everybody else. It's just Whitey Herzog's uh, great teams of the 80s. So I grew up a fan of those teams, so I was definitely aware of all the legends that came before them. And, and when you grow up in St. Louis, you know very well who Lou Brock is. So I, I definitely uh, knew. Uh, I also went, I went to grade school uh, at Mason Ridge, and my, daughter, my uh, sister... Um, who is younger than me was in the same class as Emery Brock. What? Uh, Lou's <laughs> son. That's a she brush of greatness, same, man. She was in the same school, you know, same school as Emery. So she, uh, they, they sang in a, in a choir performance at Northwest Plaza <laughs> one afternoon. Yeah. And so the first time I ever met Lou Brock was I saw him walk in and I was probably, I don't know, my, my sister was in grade school. So I was probably, you know, junior high or something. Wow. And I went in, I went into a, a store and bought a baseball and came out with a baseball and a pen and tracked him down and he happily signed an autograph for me. That's probably the first time I ever saw him. And my, and my parents were like, where'd you go? And I'm like, oh, I went and got Luke Brock's autograph. <laughs> <laughs> I recognized him. So uh, I uh, I knew very well who he was and, and absolutely, uh, you know, was a huge fan. Well, I will tell you this, that I came to St. Louis in 1988. And anytime I got to uh, go to a, a season opener, a home opener at Bush Stadium, uh, it was so cool how the pomp and circumstance of all the legends that were alive were riding in the back of the trucks or the Cadillacs or the you know the the convertibles, whatever whatever that uh, brand was that year. Um, and of course, the crowd always went nuts for all of these players, especially Lou. Um, but so let's fast forward to your first professional meeting with Lou uh, because you're living the dream. I mean, as much as of a sports guy and sports lover you are. Now you're living the dream, and you've got the official press badge for KMOX. When was the first time you met him on a professional level? 
I met him on several occasions on a professional level, but the first time that we worked together, I want to say was in 1999 when I was asked to go on stage and do something for Cardinals care at the winter warmup. And my segment was, I was going to have Lou Brock with me. So we were chatting backstage a little bit and I, the, the, the segment on stage was that there was a, it was like a contest. You could win a contest and then you'd go up on stage uh, and Lou Brock, you'd be able to talk to Lou Brock up on stage. <laughs> and so Lou, you know, said that you'd be able to ask Lou Brock a question. I hope I have this right. You'd be able to ask Lou Brock a question, I think was the the reward. And you got, you know, you got to meet him. So he told me, he said, when they come up, I'm going to take the mic and I want to ask them a question. Oh no! <laughs> and I said, and I said, well, I, I was talking to him backstage. I go, well, be careful because just, you know, if you are going to ask a question, just understand, you, you know, you should know, have an idea of what their answer is going to be. You know, the thing. he's like, oh, I got this. So we get up there and this woman wins and she's thrilled and she goes up on stage and I say, congratulations. And Lou takes the mic and he goes, congratulations. Are you having fun today? She goes, I sure am. And he says, so who's your favorite baseball player of all time? And she looks at him and she goes, Nolan Ryan. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> and the crowd's like, what? <laughs> yeah, I right. Looked at Lou, I, I looked at Lou and I go, told you. <laughs> and, <laughs> and he loves he loved telling that story. He would laugh every time he would introduce me to somebody. After a few minutes, he'd be like, "You know, the first time that I met Tom," and he would tell this story and just laugh and laugh. But he thought that was so funny, and he said, "Tom warned me." Yeah. And uh, so we got to work together on a lot of charity events. Well, we we ended up working on a number of things together for children, um, an emergency children's home in North St. Louis and raising money for kids, uh, so that they would have school supplies, backpacks, clothes, food, uh, so that they, when they went to school coats during the winter. Uh, and then we also did a, a number of events, mostly golf tournaments, but other events as well to raise money for his foundation, which, uh, among other things, raised funds, for scholarships so that kids could attend school. And, um, he loved kids, just absolutely loved kids. He was energized by them, uh, little kids all the way through uh, high school and college and, and just loved the youth uh, of our country. And I loved being around him and, and helping him do those things. So how was it, Tom, how was it different when you were at Bush stadium around him, um, maybe in the KMOX capacity and, and was he, was he any different than at a charity event or was he just always the same guy? Always the same. Yeah. Uh, Lou Brock was always the same, which was a very gentle, caring listener and a very good person who would spend a lot of time with you. And he loved telling a good story and loved talking about the game, but it didn't matter if I was at lunch with him or at his house or down in spring training with a couple of people right. or at a huge event, or if he was surrounded by hall of famers, you know, there were some times where it would be a room and it would be me, Lou, Bruce Suter, 
Bob Gibson, <laughs> Rick Hummel, you know, all these Hall of Fame people. And he always treated me like I was one of the one of the guys, one of the one of his closest friends, like a like a family member. And and I know that he treated everybody like that. You could what not. What he did was he he made you feel like you're the most important person in the room always and made you feel like you were all of his attention was on you at that time. And I've heard so many stories from people who met him and he engaged them in a story and talked to them for a while and really took an interest in what they were doing and, and always left them with a thought about our purpose or something, you know, with regard to, being kind or uh, about his own faith. He was very uh, deeply uh, interested in people and cared a lot about people, and it came across incredibly well. No truer words have been said. That is my guest, Tom Ackerman. We've got more with Tom coming up, more of his memories as a fan, a colleague, and a dear friend of the late Lou Brock. Coming up next on The Voice of St. Louis, KMOX. Call from Mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. It's Bo Matthews continuing our conversation with uh, sports director at KMOX, Tom Ackerman. Now, you've met a lot of people in your uh, day and age in this uh, industry, and Lou Brock stands out as one of the most kind, epic, legendary guys, but you'd never know it. You'd never know it by meeting him. I'm sure you've met uh, other you know, sports stars or musical stars that thought who the heck they were, but that wasn't the case with Lou Brock, was it, Tom? The thing about Lou was he never really you know, carried himself. Very rarely did I see him, like, use his, uh, like, he walked into a room and suddenly he's, like, the biggest name. He was always the biggest name in the room. Right. There was some player bigger than him, uh, which was very few. I think what we've recognized is that in this last week, we've heard from so many people around the baseball world and all over the country who are pouring out their heartfelt messages and thoughts to the Brock family because he was a big, big star. Yeah. When he played, he was one of the best players of all time, and he still remains today considered to be one of the greatest players of all time. But when you were with him, you never felt like he carried around that and, and did not come off that way, did not have an ego, did not have uh, any sense of entitlement. He want, just was just like us. He's just, you know, one of the, 
uh, people walking among us, uh, living life. And I just completely respected that. I watched very carefully and I think, and I appreciate you saying that about the piece because I just watched the way that he interacted with people. And I'm glad that I did. I'm glad for a couple of things. I'm glad one that I soaked in every moment with him because I did not take for granted that I had become friends with this person that was such an, a huge celebrity, not only here, but everywhere in baseball. But secondly, and this came a little bit later in his life and a little bit later in our relationship, I'd say the last five, six, seven years, is that every time I uh, left a conversation or a meeting with him, I would tell him that I loved him. And I started doing that, and he would answer back that he loved me. And I'm and I'm glad that I did that, Bo, because wow. I don't, um, you know, the, one of the hard things is that I didn't get to say goodbye to him, and but I did. Because every time I said goodbye to him, I was able to Tell him express you love him. to him my love for yeah, him. Yeah, absolutely. So, and that was very special. So you're taking away the myth of we should never meet our heroes, right? You know, have you ever heard that term, whether it's a, a musician or an actor? They say, don't meet your heroes. Well, you can be, yeah. Uh, I mean, you can be let down. I've witnessed it. I've seen <laughs> Right, that's the worst. I've now for 23 years. <laughs> um, so, you know, it... it, it, it yeah, every organization team, you know, you're not going to have everybody uh, as well-rounded and unbelievably respected as a human being as Lou Brock is it's the way that he carried himself. But sure. I mean, I've heard the stories and seen from, it doesn't matter where, where it is and, and what city and what, uh, what team um, I'm sure that it happens, but I'm just glad that I got to witness it for myself. And this is a guy who was, I mean, a tremendous baseball player. I mean, and tough as nails. And hasn't played. He was out there and hasn't played for over forty years. Miles. That's the right. amazing thing. He's he still. Ran. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah, he's a terrific athlete. Um, you know, a great, great athlete. I and you know when he played, he was tough as nails. I mean, he was a violent runner. He was a hard hitting. Uh, outfielder, so you could hit for power. You could hit into the gaps. The guy yeah. had over three thousand hits. I know he's known as a base stealer, but he was a an unbelievably tough player. Never went on the disabled list his entire career. That's a, that's amazing. Yeah, that's amazing because he's and, tough, and I'm sure and, he wasn't hurt at any time. Just, you know, I'm sure he wasn't hurt. He he may have been hurt or injured a little bit, but still wanted to show up to play. Oh, of course he was. Of course he, he was injured and hurt, and you know, but he, he fought his way through it, just like I saw him fight through a number of medical issues here in recent years and fight him off one by one and do it with a smile and, and just make his way on to the next thing. I mean, multiple myeloma, he had cancer, he fought through it, beat it. He had uh, diabetes, diabetes, so because yeah. of those issues, an infection led to a leg amputation. What does he do after that? He has a prosthetic put on and he gets himself back in a position where he walks out onto the field at Bush Stadium for opening day. Wow. <laughs> you wow. know, so I mean it's just one thing after the other. I witnessed him one time in a uh he had gone through a, a long dental procedure and we did a private event at Grant's farm. It clearly drained him that day and he had gone through a lot. He we get there and as soon as the lights turn on for the event, it was like you flipped the switch and he was on just like he was in a World Series game. And when he left, he went home and went to bed. I mean, he, he delivered and he did it for people. 
because he loved people. He loved, he wanted to make those fans happy. And just as much as those fans loved him, he absolutely loved them back. And what's amazing is that over 40 years since he played, his retirement was in 1979, and how much he was still so involved with the community that he loves. And, you know, you know as well as I do, the greatest uh, sports fans are right here in St. Louis. And so that relationship must have kept him connected. Um, so I, I do want to ask you this. So did you, uh, I'm sure you have, but uh, what was his reaction when, uh, did you bring up you going to buy the baseball and meeting him for the first time? Um, and did he remember that? No, he didn't remember that, but I told him the story and of course he laughed about it. And just, you know, he just loved it. And again, here's a story about a kid. Right. Yeah, I'm just a kid that wanted to, I think he was more interested in that and how I went about it that I went into a store and bought the baseball in a tent. <laughs> okay, so you here, know, that, you know that's that's pretty pretty good planning on your part, a quick a quick thinking on your part, I should say. Absolutely, uh, it's probably something that he would have he he respected and thought. But yeah, he loves stories like that. And by the way, I never saw him turn down an autograph, never. Uh, and and in all those golf tournaments that we did, no matter what the temperature was outside or the weather conditions, he wanted to make sure that he took a picture with everybody yeah. and gave everybody their time. The- and he didn't ask for attention. I mean, I, that's the thing is that, you know, he didn't ask for TV cameras to be there. The other people did. Right. He didn't ask for radio interviews. It was It was others that said, hey, can we have Lou do this? Can we get him? here can we get a camera there he 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 would visit hospitals on his own time and never tell anybody i mean he this is uh this is the kind of person that he was he he liked uh and loved being around people but he didn't necessarily have to tell the world about it he just did it and the the character of his heart is so profound and the fact that you two had become friends over the you know many years you've known each other uh you mentioned going to his home or you know if you were at a charity event i just think that is so amazing because tom ackerman if you looked at your life uh, you know 25 years ago could you have written this uh, this story for you to be a friend of a legend like this there's no way no, I mean, I, 25 years ago, wouldn't have believed it if you told me that I'd be working at KMOX and would be the sports director of the radio station. But, you know, to be around somebody like Lou Brock uh, is, uh, it, it changed my uh, perspective on life. And it really is something that I will carry with me forever is our relationship and how I looked up to him as a man, as a, as a dad, as a husband. Um, you know, those things are very important to me. And I, and, you know, if I ever was having a, a a tough week or something like that, I could always count on thinking about, I wonder what Lou and Jackie are doing today. Because I'm pretty sure they are having a day where they're giving back to other people and then smiling and, and laughing about the day that they had and going on to the next day. No, not, not like every day was easy for them either. And, you know, even with all of their... Um, the the issues uh, medical wise that that Lou had to go through, uh, they still looked at the positives of every day and how to make the most of that day. And you know, so I was able to to have that kind of a relationship with them is is pretty special and and um, something I wish could have gone on forever. It'll live inside me forever. And what a blessing that friendship has turned out to be. All right, more with Tom Ackerman coming up next on The Voice of St. Louis, KMOX. Stay right there. 
It's the voice of St. Louis, KMOX. My name is Bo Matthews, continuing our conversation with uh, Tom Ackerman, who not only was a fan, but a colleague and really a dear friend of the late Lou Brock, who we just lost last week. And, you know, all of the kind things that you've been saying, Tom, about Lou has uh, has made an impact on your life. It has changed the, the man you are. Well, I appreciate that. I, I looked at him when he listened to you. He really did. I mean, he he had that look in his eye, and he really made contact. And when he had to say something to you, he really gave it a lot of thought and had something um, very important to pass along, and that was everything that was inside of him as, as a person and, and all of his stories that had accumulated through the years. Right. He wanted to pass that on to people. And, you know, I, I absolutely could tell that every time that we talked, he had something ready to go that was very important wisdom or knowledge to pass along. And you're the I, same. You're the same as you're a slice of it, man. You really are. Well, I appreciate it, man. I mean it. You know, I, I, I do want to go back to that uh, that first meeting uh, at the, the choir concert where you went and bought the baseball because I had a brush with greatness. Now, it's not with a, a Cardinal baseball legend. It was with a wrestling legend. If you remember the name Baron Von Raschka, remember this guy? Nope. Hey, when was that? Because you're a real sports guy. No, I was a kid. This is like in the 70s. Uh, but I flew on a plane, Mad Dog Vashon, Bobby Heenan, and uh, we all, my sister and I sat on the plane with them, right? And so I remember them, you know, eating all my meal and they gave me the candy off the tray when they served actual meals on a plane. And fast forward, I'm in radio now in uh, Gillette, Wyoming as a, you know, 20 year old man. And here come the, you know, the old retired uh, wrestlers coming through to do an exhibition uh, match at the, you know, the, the county fairgrounds, whatever. And I go up and I was like, do you remember I was on a plane and you re- do you remember you ate all my food? And of course, he didn't remember any of it. I was like, ah, really? Because I do. See, the thing is, you know, you're very impressionable as a young person. So. <laughs> right. You know, I grew up. I grew up watching Ozzy Smith, and now Ozzy and I are friends today. And I still get a kick out of the fact that he even knows who I am. Let alone do, that we co-host uh, events together. I MC a lot of his events, and we've done a number of interviews through the years. Right. But in regard to wrestling, you know, I watched WWF as a kid, and I I watched these guys, Hulk Hogan, and you mentioned Bobby Heenan. But you know, for me. Hogan and Randy Macho Man Savage and, and all these guys, Andre the Giant and everybody. So even even it was a few years ago, I had an interview set up with Hulk Hogan. Right. And he was supposed to call the office and the backup number was my cell phone. Well, he called the cell phone first and I didn't see it and he left a voicemail. And it's so basic, you know, it's like, Hey Tom, uh Hulk Hogan here. Oh uh, no called in for our interview. I'll uh, I'll call you back later, uh, and and I saved it. I still have it on my phone because I think it's so funny. Like I'll play it. <laughs> I played it for a couple of my friends. Like you know, hey Tom, Hulk Hogan. I uh, just wanted to <laughs> see. That's a hero you should yeah, not have. Like, you should you have know, never met because it should have been brother. Come yeah, on, brother, guys, answer your like, phone. These guys, they never. They didn't seem real <laughs> when I was growing up. They they seem like just giant characters, but they're actually, you know, they're they're human beings. They have their faults. They, um, it's it's interesting in that way. When you meet uh, Lou Brock uh, as as a kid, like I did, 
I still, when I saw him at Northwest Plaza, I mean, he was larger than life. It was like the person that I'd watched on TV was actually a person walking through. But as I got to know him through the years, you know, you, you, you realize that the, the biggest ones of all are human beings just like us. And they go through their day to day. They have things that come up. doesn't matter how big their fame is. They're still human beings. They still go through a lot of the things that we do. Um, and, uh, that's what I've kind of come to know as somebody who covers athletes and, and coaches and celebrities for a living. Uh, what I really enjoy doing is seeing them as human beings and how they became who they are right. and, and why, and, you know, and, uh, the last time story is very interesting. The last time you and I talked at length was about uh, music and the concerts and stuff. And I'll tell you, Garth Brooks. Biggest, uh, biggest uh, country artist on the planet, and he is just like that. He is just one of the nicest guys in the world, and you wouldn't expect that. You would think he thinks who the heck he is, but he just doesn't. He's just a guy. I've heard that about him, and um, I'd love to meet him sometime. I, I certainly have heard those kinds of stories about him. You know, I, I can tell you that the same goes for some of the biggest names in my industry, Bob right. Costas, Joe Buck. I've been very fortunate to know them since I was pretty young, and they're they're guys. They're just I mean, genuine they're, guys. They're good guys. They really are great guys with big hearts. That they do a job, yes, but most of the time they're not on the headset calling a game. They're going about their day, just like you and me. And, and, and what's amazing and about that? Preparing, preparing for what they do. And what's amazing about that is your garage happy hours, which has been a huge, massive success. I would say nearly every one of those people that you've had as a guest are in that same vein. So uh, I think this says a lot about who Tom Ackerman is, to be honest with you. Well, I appreciate that as well. I, I've tried to develop some relationships with people over the years, and now it's starting to, to come back to me in this garage happy hour well i just came up with the idea of i think i'll reach out to some people that i've gotten to know through the years and see if they'll say yes and they all said yes to talking to me through an ipad while i sit there and drink a beer and they tell stories <laughs> so uh that's been kind of fun and and to see you know at, uh, somebody that i care about a lot like albert pujols who, to say yes and to have him sitting in his kitchen uh, or office or wherever he was to have Bob Costa sitting in his kitchen and, and talking through his device to me and the people could just drop in on Facebook and watch that's made the show successful. So I appreciate that. I, I want that show to stay in my garage. I don't want to take it anywhere else. I think it just makes it more relatable and real. You know, we're all going through a, a difficult year and, and we're doing a lot of things from home and Ain't that uh, the so are they. Yeah, yeah. So are they. Do you have Do you have uh, air conditioning and heating in your garage? By the way, I <laughs> I don't. In fact, Dan Deardorff told me last week. He said, "You're right, Tom. I've never." Been, he lives right down the street from me. He goes, "You're right, Tom. I've never been in your garage." And now that I've heard that you don't have air conditioning, I will never be in your garage. <laughs> uh, that sounds like a sponsorship yeah, opportunity. Anybody out there? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that's that's not bad. There you we go. We could reorganize the garage and put in a, an AC unit. I love it. Uh, well, Tom, thank you for the time. And, and really, I encourage anybody listening to this interview. And, and again, th I knew it was going to be different talking to you about Lou Brock, uh, but your article that you have on CamoX.com, Class Act, again, thank you. Tom Ackerman, for your time and uh, hanging out with me. Oh, thanks a lot. Good to have you on CamoX. 
It is good to be here. Now, coming up in the next hour, we're going to cover a couple of different things, including one, a brand new book for the Kansas City Chiefs is out, and uh, you'll want to hear the conversation we have with the author of that book. Plus, uh, if you hadn't heard about the strange happenings at the St. Louis Zoo, we're going to check in with the herpetology department about that. And, of course, everybody's talking about uh, Election Day and you know what needs to be done on your uh, mail-in ballots or your absentee ballots. we got some of that information for you that's going to help out as we move on into the second hour on The Voice of St. Louis, KMOX. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. It is the voice of St. Louis KMOX. My name is Bo Matthews, and we have a virtual Bo on the Go stop from St. Louis all the way to Kansas City. Let's go. I've been everywhere, man. I've been everywhere, man. Across the deserts, bear, man. I breathe the mountain air, man. I travel, I've had my share, man. I've been everywhere. It's the voice of St. Louis, KMOX. My name is Bo Matthews. We've talked baseball. We're talking football now with a brand new book. It's called The Keys to the Kingdom, and it is your definitive history of the 2020 Super Bowl champs. And the author is David Smale, and David is on the uh, western coast of Missouri, I do believe. How are you, sir? I'm doing well, thank you. Well, the book arrived a couple of days ago, and I've had a chance to uh, kind of delve into it. And, man, what a beautiful book you've done. And this isn't your first, obviously, but this one is beautifully done, as well as I'm sure your other books are. But your love affair goes uh, all the way back to your childhood with the Kansas City Chiefs, doesn't it? Yes, it does. Um, I was five years old when the Chiefs came to Kansas City from Dallas. They were the Dallas Texans in the first three years of the AFL. I don't remember too much about it. I remember my dad being excited, so I, <laughs> therefore I was excited, and right. and I became a football fan and a Chiefs fan, and, and that continues almost 60 years later. So that that's probably why it only took you a couple of weeks to actually write this this book out. Uh, tell me about the timeline. When, when the idea came to you and said, okay, I've got to do this, and uh, and how did you go and how did you get started? 
Well, actually, it was a publisher there in St. Louis, Reedy Press. Oh, yeah. Uh, it does company. a great job with lots of local histories. They've, they've done some books on the Cardinals, the St. Louis Blues, even the St. Louis Browns. Uh, but they came up with the idea to do a book on the history of the Chiefs. And through friends of friends and things like that, they, they reached out to me and asked me if I would be interested in in doing it. And I said, of course. I mean, it would be something that, that would interest me very much. This is my 21st book, so I understand the process. And after they got me really excited, then they told me the deadline. And, and it was mid-June, and, and I said, that's really fast. And they said, well, we can find somebody else. I said, I didn't say I wouldn't do it. <laughs> I just said, that's really fast. And and so I said, so, of course, if I get it to you by mid-June, you could have it out by the start of the season. They said, no, it'll be out in late October. And so I said, well, when would you need the manuscript in order to have it out by the start of the season? And the first response was, that's impossible. So I restated the question, when would you need the manuscript to have it out by the start of the season? And they said, April 15th. And I actually got it done a little quicker than that. It took about two weeks to write the original manuscript. And then it's taken a a little bit of time after that to edit it and, and, you know, find photos and and go through all that process. And fact check the dates and the stats and other facts, right? Yes, yes. <laughs> we didn't want to put out fake news. What's even more impressive is that you you technically wrote the original manuscript from memory because, as you said, your dad was a huge fan and you grew up around being a huge fan of the Chiefs. And so it was it was kind of a, probably a, a work of passion, wasn't it? Oh, it was. I, I put in the introduction. This was a labor of love. I wrote it for myself because somebody was going to enable me to do so. And I'm going to include other fans with it, but I really wrote it for myself and for people like me. My brother uh, helped me with the outline. He's two years older than I. I've got a couple of other good good friends who are around my age who remember most, if not all, of the history. So they, they, you know, they were good um, fact checkers. And, hey, don't forget to include something about this guy, stuff like that. Well, St. Louis has certainly had their uh, NFL uh, issues over the uh, you know last several decades, and uh, it, it's kind of nice to you know when the Rams left, we had you know for those in St. Louis that were trying to be Rams diehard fans to know that uh, the Chiefs were right there in our same state, and we, you know we have a lot of Kansas City Chiefs fans right here in St. Louis as well, and of course you can hear the Kansas City Chiefs games on KMOX, which is really a nice bonus in addition to our uh, World Champion Cardinals as well. Well, now the world champion uh, Kansas City Chiefs. But I love the term Mid-America's Team. How did you come up with the uh, the, the title Keys to the Kingdom? That's beautiful. Well, um, I actually, I'm not smart enough to have come up with that. One of the, one of the uh, five guys that helped me with this review process, I said, hey, guys, I need, I need to come up with several different titles. And there were a lot of good ones. Um, Kevin Harlan, who a lot of uh, your listeners will recognize uh, as um, voice of NBA basketball, and he does uh, college basketball, um, and he does um, pro football for CBS. He's a friend of mine. He came, he came up with one, the Hunt for Championships, <laughs> uh, obviously alluding to the Hunt family and stuff. And oh, there were quite yeah. a few good ones. There were quite a few good selections, and I turned them into to Reedy. And they chose the keys to the kingdom. That really comes from the fact that, um, you know, every team, every college team, every high school team has such and such nation. And uh, the guy who's been the voice of the Chiefs now for, uh, uh, I think he started in like 94 or something. So he's the longest standing 
voice that the Chiefs have ever had. He came up with the, the concept Chiefs Kingdom, just to extend it a little bit further than, or to make it a little bit different than Chiefs Nation. Sure. And it stuck. And because he's still there, it's still it's still a very uh, popular term. Um, they've got the Kingdom Show uh, on the radio. They've got lots of different things. So the keys to the kingdom is obviously a very common phrase, and we thought that that was a good way of capsulizing the fact that this is not just about the 2019 Super Bowl team. This is the entire history, and, and you can see it from the cover. We've got six Hall of Famers on there. Um, I'm counting Patrick Mahomes in that group because <laughs> we believe he will be uh, in the Hall of Fame if he keeps on his current track. But the other five already are enshrined in the Hall of Fame. And it's just these people um, are emblematic of some of the people who have helped make the Chiefs the franchise that they are. David Smale is our guest on KMOX. Uh, his new book, The Keys to the Kingdom, it's an illustrated timeline of the Kansas City Chiefs. It's pretty amazing, the story of Lamar Hunt, uh, because he was in Texas. Why did he want to come to Kansas City? Do you, do you know the, the genesis of that? When he founded the team, he lived in Dallas. Uh, when he founded the team, um, he had been turned down for an NFL franchise. Actually, I think he tried to, to purchase the Cardinals um, from Chicago or purchased them when they were in Chicago, and they, of course, moved to St. Louis, and he was turned down for that, and I think he tried to purchase another NFL team and, and kept getting rebuffed. He talked to, talked to the NFL about expansion, and they turned that down, and so then he, and he contacted some other people that he knew, he knew from his father's business uh, who, you know, who, who may have had that same interest. They were actually later called the Foolish Club because these eight gentlemen each paid the whopping sum of $25,000 to to buy a franchise in the AFL to compete against the NFL. And everybody said they were foolish to throw away such large sums of money. Right. Um, but, but he announced that he was going to put his franchise in Dallas, and shortly thereafter the NFL announced they were going to expand to Dallas. And so they competed with the Cowboys for three years. And even though the Chiefs, or the, excuse me, the Texans were a better, you know, a more successful franchise because the Dallas Cowboys were in the NFL, they got the attention. Wow. And he finally recognized that he needed to move somewhere. The mayor of Kansas City at the time led a, a community effort to entice Lamar Hunt to move them here, promised them that there would be 25,000 season ticket holders, which would have exceeded their highest attendance at any of the games in their first three years. And that convinced Lamar Hunt to come here. Uh, and they then became the Kansas City Chiefs because the mayor at the time was Mayor uh, Chief Bartle. His, his nickname was Chief. His name was H. Rowe Bartle, but his, his nickname was the Chief. And so they named the team after him. Wow. Okay, so that's something I didn't know. And again, I want to reference, uh, David Smale has written the original manuscript from memory, but is there anything that you learned in this journey in putting this book together? There's a, there's a few things that I was like, yeah, I kind of knew that, and you know, certainly enhanced that in the process. Right. Uh, but the thing that I'm most impressed with, and I've shared this uh, on, in, at various radio stations around the region, uh, and even in TV, is how instrumental Lamar Hunt was in getting pro football integrated. Yeah. Uh, back in the late 50s and early 60s, the NFL largely um, ignored the historically black colleges and universities. 
they had black players, but not a lot of them. Right, right. And they they very they had very few players from the HBCUs. And Lamar Hunt and the other AFL owners recognized that this was a, a pretty good source of good football talent. Besides being a a, uh, a socially progressive thing to do. Now, remember, he lived in the Deep South, and uh, if we consider Dallas the Deep South, and there was some there was some resistance to it, and he stuck to his guns. I'm sure. And by the time the merger happened, the HBCUs were well represented in pro football, AFL and NFL. If you're a new Chiefs fan or you are a lifelong Chiefs fan, this is definitely something you want to put on. Uh, your uh, your wish list for Santa Claus, David Smale. Great talking to you, sir. Thank you so much for your for your love of the Chiefs. Uh, you've done a, a beautiful job, and I'm sure they're really proud to have you uh, on board, putting their legacy out there like you have. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. All right, and that is your virtual bow on the go stop. My name is Bo Matthews. Stick around. There's something very strange going on at the St. Louis Zoo. We are going to check in with the zoological manager of herpetology and aquatics at the St. Louis Zoo. His name is Mark Warner. Next, he's going to explain something that's kind of a phenomenon. We'll talk to him next on The Voice of St. Louis, KMOX. Someone told me it's all happening at the zoo. It's The Voice of St. Louis, KMOX. My name is Bo Matthews, and I don't know if you heard about this crazy thing that happened at the St. Louis Zoo uh, recently, but uh, I wanted to get to an official person at the zoo, and we have the zoological manager of herpetology. He's a herpetologist. Mark Warner. how are you? Welcome to KMOX. I'm good. Nice Nice to talk to you, sir. How long have you been at the zoo? Um, I've been to zoo 19 years. Okay, you, so you've seen some things happen. A few, yes. But nothing like this. Tell me what happened. I, I, I have basic information, but I want to hear it from you, and uh, I want to hear about your expression of when you found out what you found out. We have a, a very old ball python. Um, the animal came in to the St. Louis Zoo. It was acquired from a private um, owner in uh, 1961. Um, and at the time, the animal was estimated to be about three years old. Um, so that would put the animal at about 62 years old. Wow. Uh, the, other, the, the oldest documented uh, uh, a snake in a zoo at this point is at Philadelphia Zoo currently, and it is a, also a ball python at 47 years old. So um, the, the animal that we're speaking of, this female, um, is definitely a very old female snake. Um, it's you know, normally turtles and crocodilians live to these sorts of ages. It's unusual to have snakes live, you know, over 40 to 50 years, unusual. Um, this animal, on July 23rd, we came in, checked our animals, and she had seven beautiful eggs that she was coiled around. Um, she had not seen a male, um, to our knowledge, in probably the two previous decades. Wow. So, um until we get the genetic testing done, um, we can't say for sure exactly what's going on. Um, but our thoughts are that it is a parthenogenesis, which is asexual reproduction. Which is mean which self means self-sexually produ- produced, right? Exactly. It's not, it's not really that rare. Um, it's becoming more and more prevalent um, in the zoo community and in the private sector with reptiles, um, there it's it's been well documented in Komodo dragons. It's actually been documented in ball pythons before. Um, it's been documented in some rattlesnake species. Um, just recently, I heard of an Asian pit viper that also has the potential 
of being parthenogenesis. So it's not something that is that rare. I think the rare and unusual thing about this whole uh, experience is the fact that she is such an old animal and still reproducing viable eggs. That is amazing. Uh, and now, and are we confirmed that they are viable eggs, that they will be uh, yes. hatchlings one day? Well, we're hoping to. They are viable. We see uh, we see veining in the eggs, and that you can see that in one of the pictures that was posted on Facebook where the egg was candled. You can see veining happening. So that's that's a, that's a positive thing. Um, most likely meaning that the eggs are 100% fertile. Um, this particular female did the same thing in 2009 um, and laid a clutch of eggs. Um, the last reported time that we believe that she could have potentially been with a male would have been like the late 80s, early 90s. That is so crazy. even in, even in, yeah, so even in 2009, it was an unusual egg laying event. And those eggs did not hatch, but they did have um, baby snakes in them that died in the egg. Oh, I gotcha. Okay. Um, yeah. So the other thing we need to be, the other thing that we need to be aware of is that to our knowledge, typically these uh, eggs will not hatch. Um, it seems like they'll go um, a certain length of term or even full term, but die in the egg. That's just the experience that we've, we've learned and we know of with parthenogenesis eggs. But nonetheless, um, we still have eggs incubating. Currently there's three eggs incubating. Uh, they're about halfway through their incubation period. Um, and then we've had two eggs that have already died during the incubation. Um, and then we culled two eggs for genetic sampling. And those, that genetic sampling will, will determine whether or not this is in fact parthenogenesis or some bizarre sperm storage or some bizarre accident where this female came in contact with a male. We're talking to Mark Warner. He's the zoo- zoological manager of, the, of herpetology and aquatics at the St. Louis Zoo. How long from uh, the it's, delivery of the eggs to them coming out of the shell possibly? About, about 60 days, ish, oh, okay. give or take. Yeah, so... Um, we we're on par, so this, uh, we're looking at probably another month of incubation, and we should know something. Okay, so for the listeners that are that are listening, they've maybe been to the your part of the uh, St. Louis Zoo. Uh, can you give me an idea of how long and how thick this ball python is? Uh, this particular animal is probably about four and a half, um, four and a half foot long, four foot long, and probably uh, I would say circumference is. It's hard to tell, but I would say uh, like a filled fire hose, <laughs> like a, you know, like a fireman's hose. I would say if it's filled with water, that's about the girth of this animal. She's a, she's a good-sized ball python. Obviously, she's, you know, reptiles continually grow throughout life. They As they get older, they their grow, growing uh, process just slows down. So um, it makes sense that she's just a big female, but especially at her age. And do you guys have a camera on there? I mean, are, are we doing a Facebook Live with that or anything? It has not been discussed yet. Um, <laughs> well, I'm bringing it I up. Think, <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, we can go back and discuss that with management and see if that's a potential. Um, but, yes, that is, it's, it's definitely something that we can look into. Okay. Since you're a herpetologist, can I just explain? I, I've seen more snakes. I live in Jeff County. I have more snakes on my property this year than ever before. Is there anything in correlation with, you know, how people are more quiet, there's not as much, as much movement because of the isolation of, of the COVID-19 thing going on? Do you think they're, they're feeling more freer? And, and maybe that has something to do with this particular ball python, uh, you know, maybe <laughs> got bored with herself. I don't know. 
Yeah, I think, I mean, it's a potential, obviously. I mean, I, I have myself noticed more mammal and bird, wild bird wildlife this year than before. Um, It also could be just a seasonal, you know, a weather pattern thing. We had a very heavy, heavy rain season this year, which could have, you know, helped with some of the movement. And now we're in a dry period, a little bit of a dry period. So, I mean, there's so much dependent on the environmental conditions that it's hard to say and nail it down to one thing or another. But I I think just the the combination of the, the wet early summer, wet spring, early summer, and then, you know, the fact that people just weren't getting out as much a few months ago. I think now things are starting to change a little bit more, but uh, yeah, so it just could be a combination of things. That's very cool. Mark Waters, the zoological manager of herpetology and aquatics at the St. Louis Zoo. So when people do come to the St. Louis Zoo, uh, what can they see? What animals can they see in your department? Uh, we can't see this snake uh, necessarily, but what other animals are, are visible for the guests? Yeah, the herpetarium is open. Um, we are limiting the number of people that can come into the building at any given time to 100. So um, we're just asking people to be a little bit patient if they do have to wait in line. Um, but we have um, a portion of our building is closed, which we call the wing. Um, however, the rest of the building is open for viewing, and it's about 70 habitats that they can view, anywhere from old-world vipers to new-world vipers to uh, boas, big pythons. Um, there's all kinds of stuff on Habitat. Amphibians from Ecuador. Um, there, We have black mamba on Habitat. There's all kinds of animals that they can come in and see in the herbarium. That's so cool. Well, for those of you that are interested in going to the St. Louis Zoo, uh, you have to have reservations, but they are free. Just go to stlzoo.org and find out and get your family out. I mean, we're all, you know, kind of doing this isolation thing and be good to uh, go to a, a, a great one of the greatest zoos on the planet is right here in St. Louis. And I encourage you to go out and see all that they have to offer. Uh, Mark Warner, thank you so much for your time. And I'm sure it'll be big headlines when the, uh, if the eggs uh, do hatch, uh, but we're only days away from that happening, I guess, if it's 60 days. Right. We're getting close. Um, and then we'll also have some news once we get the genetic samples tested. Um, so there could be a couple of new news points coming up soon. All right. Thank you so much for your time and good luck with your uh, projects out there. Okay, sir. Thank you again, sir. Have a great day. You too. Again, to find out how to get your free reservations, just go to stlzoo.org for more details. Now, coming up next, we're going to talk to a true notary republic to find out how instrumental that job is in mail-in voting. That's the conversation next on The Voice of St. Louis, KMOX. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. It's the voice of St. Louis, KMOX, and as we get closer and closer to Election Day, there's still a lot of people with uh, misinformation that's out there that uh, maybe hasn't deciphered what is right and what is wrong when it comes to an absentee ballot or a mail-in ballot, which are possible uh, now in this country, it looks like. And, uh, of course, in-person voting is always encouraged. But if it's going to be a situation where you want to do it uh, by mail or an absentee ballot, uh, we have a lot of questions. And one person that may know some 
answers to those questions is Chris Gardner. Uh, he is also a notary, and you you understand all this stuff. You've figured it all out for us, right? Well, I wouldn't go that far because it got <laughs> quite confusing this year, Bo. <laughs> it, it did. What, what's the most confusing part uh, of questions that you're receiving from from voters? In terms of voters generally, it's trying to figure out the difference between absentee and mail-in because mail-in was never an option here in Missouri before like it is now. You know, with no excuses, I can get a mail-in ballot. And, you know, there's a difference between absentee and mail-in in Missouri where in other states there aren't. So here in, uh, here in the Show Me State, we have to try to clarify that there is a difference, even though in other states it's the same thing. Now, but since, here it's just it's a little different. Now, since we're right here on the border of uh, Missouri and Illinois, uh, how different mm-hmm. are those rules uh, for those listeners that are in Illinois right now? Uh, do you know that? Uh, I believe um, in Illinois that mail-in and absentee are classified basically as the same thing. Okay. Where in Missouri, they're not. So it's more complicated in Missouri because they've added new rules this go-round. We're kind of, you know, other states have been doing mail-in for the longest time, um, especially out in the, in the Northwest, Pacific Northwest. But we're we're not in that situation so it's kind of new to some of us here right and i want to mention that i'm an air force brat so i'm i'm familiar with absentee balloting um <laughs> yes, my, you my, my my dad did that my mom did that for years and uh, that's because we were out of the country we were you know they were on on assignment somewhere uh so right. those that are familiar with absentee balloting uh they're familiar with those rules and what needs to be done so we really do right. want to talk about the mail-in balloting um you know there's no requirements yeah. it's just a choice correct Correct. And, and and here's the thing with absentee and mail-in in particular. Mail-in voting is going to require a notary no matter what. So if you're doing mail-in, you need a notary. Now, under absentee, to even qualify for absentee, there are basically seven regulations, seven options that you can choose from that if you qualify, you can vote absentee. But only two of those seven exempts you from a notary. So five of those seven, even with an absentee ballot, still require a notary if you're mailing that absentee ballot in. Wow, okay, I didn't know that part. Yeah, I think that's the the, the way to try to, I guess, dumb it down some, is that know that in terms of mailing, you need a notary, an absentee, and five of the seven rules there to be an absentee voter, five of the seven, you still need a notary. And so I think... You know, you fall into, I think the two exemptions are, and I'm, I'm paraphrasing here, and I don't have the verbiage right in front of me, but basically if you're confined to your house due to illness, uh, that's one, or if you fall into the COVID exemption. And then the COVID exemption has its own list of rules to, to qualify for that. Okay, so the mail-in balloting, um, are, are we allowed to, uh, you know, to request that at this point, or do we still have to wait some time? No, you can you can get it right now. It, it's best to do so because I think I think it's the twenty second of September is when they actually start putting the ballots out. They start sending them your way. I got you, but um, you can do the request now. If, if this is how you want to yes. vote this year on November third, uh, complete right. an application to request a mail in ballot in person or by mail. 
And after you receive the ballot, you got to fill it out and have that uh, returned envelope notarized. Now that's that, that's on the outside. Now, is there a fee for that? I mean, I've done notary things over the years, and I don't believe at my bank there was a notary. Is, do they charge money for that? Well, here's how it works. Because, um, like I said, we're in a we're in a new era right now with voting in Missouri, especially this go round. Oh yeah. Um, that like for an absentee ballot, if you're classified as absentee, and uh, you cannot charge a price. The notary cannot charge a price. And it goes back to full tax stuff and all that other political jargon if you want to get into that. But <laughs> let's not. <laughs> but terms, yeah, right, exactly. In terms of a straight mail in vote, they did not make the rule this year that a notary could not charge for that signature. Um so I'm not sure why, but that's how the rule was written or how, how these regulation statutes were written. Um, so straight mail-in, a notary can charge. But here's what the uh, Secretary of State has done. On their website, they have a list of notaries that have, that have said they will not charge no matter what. I gotcha. So if you want to seek out that notary, you're doing mail-in and you don't want to pay that, that fee, um, you can find a list of notaries on the Secretary of State's website. And I haven't used all the search features on it, but the... When you get to that homepage, it basically classifies them and uh, organizes them by county. Gotcha. So you you can find them there, but there's a list that won't charge for no matter what. Okay. So that's probably what you want to do. All right. Chris Gardner is our guest and uh, talking about notaries. Now, you are a notary. If somebody would be charged a fee, is that just subjective to the uh, notor or whatever? I don't know what you call yourself. Uh, uh, what I, I mean, I, I notary republic, yeah. Oh, yeah. Let's call it that. Uh, I, yeah. I um. It, it's two dollars per signature. Okay, is the max I believe. Oh, so there is yeah. a, there is a scale on it. You you can only charge this much if if somebody's going to charge you for it. But again, yeah, there's, you, there's, you mentioned there's a group of people out there that are notaries or notary publics, right? That will do it for no charge. They've just uh, you know they're doing their their uh, patriotic duty to help people out. Right, exactly. It might be a nominal fee, but maybe there's some principle behind it as well. Okay. Well, as far as the mail-in ballot uh, that I'm seeing on the uh, the Missouri.gov website, um, requesting your mail-in ballot, we talked about that. You can do that now, uh, and you can mail in your ballot, or uh, th- that may be requested in person. But you can mail it in, and it has to be there by the the close of business on election day. Is there any concern that that a voter should have that it wouldn't get? counted in you know that late in the game i mean i I think of my taxes needs to be in by the end of business on you know april 15th normally and uh so i I, i'm just curious about that right and and from my perspective i would say this: that is to give you a make sure that answer is correct that's probably more for a board of elections commissioner or something along those lines yeah um personally i would say yes i would i would uh I would feel concerned if it's going that late, um, which is why I think the emphasis has been so much on uh, getting things done early. And, and like you had questioned, uh, you had questioning just moments ago about, hey, can we, can anybody get the ballot now? And that I think that's an emphatic yes because you don't you don't want to be down to the last two weeks trying to deal with all this. I, I would say just um, it's it's just with these different rules and the getting. When there's a new system in place, you don't want to wait to the last minute. I think that's basically right. There, there's already fear of corruption in this uh, election coming up so much. I mean, it's being right. fed to us through, 
you know, network channel news over and over and over. It's going to be corrupt. Yeah. Heck, I saw a video of Hillary earlier today saying that Russia was involved uh, four years ago and they're involved now. And I'm like, well, hold on. I thought that was debunked. But that's a whole nother subject. <laughs> You're the notary. <laughs> you and I will have a beer or a cup of coffee over that conversation. Uh, but, yeah. but to be clear, absentee balloting, if you've already done it, you know what you have to do. If you are, yeah. uh, as far as mail-in balloting, if you're living in a assisted care living, you've got the coronavirus or you've been exposed to it, these are the things, these are the reasons these things are put in place. But this conversation right. is about what needs to be notarized and if it yeah. needs to be. From, I think given the notary perspective, is good to tell someone here. Here's what I would say. Be prepared ahead of time because you you want your election ballot, you know, fill it out ahead of time. Don't get to the notary and then fill out your ballot and then have everything done. Because what you also want to do, and this is just a good suggestion, I think, is you want to have that ballot already in the envelope. Have that election ballot filled out. Have it in the envelope. Keep it simple for the notary so that you know, there's not a whole bunch of other steps, and that takes away questions. Which and also, a notary, they're not supposed to advise you technically on what to do. The other clear thing is don't sign that envelope until you're in the presence of the notary. Oh, um, good call. Yeah, yeah, which is kind of Make the idea sure. of the notary, right? <laughs> yeah, and, and there's, there's different times, different types of notaries. Like an acknowledgment is basically it can be signed ahead of time and you just have to confirm the identity or whatever. An affirmation and an oath are different types of, or a jurat language is a different type of notary. And I, and I think St. Louis County had jurat language on their, in the primary, on their envelope. In that, in a jurat situation, you're supposed, you have to be in the presence of the notary when you sign that envelope. Gotcha. So don't do that so, part. But you do not have to expose what's in the envelope. You don't have to put it, you no. don't have to show them what you've done or who you're voting for or what nope. party you're nope. with. Don't think of this like your taxes, doing it at the 11th hour on the, you know, the, the, the deadline. Do it early <laughs> and get it notarized. Uh, and again, you can go to mo.gov to find out more specific details. But uh, as we've learned here, everybody, that uh, that a notary is nowhere near the attitude of a DMV employee. So thank you, Chris Gardner, for all your help today. I appreciate it. That's a compliment, by the way. <laughs> yeah, I, I appreciate it. All right, Chris, thank you so much. We may get in touch with you again before uh, Election Day, just in case we have any uh, final thoughts or questions for you, okay? Yeah, no problem. I hope that helps. It did. Thank you very much. Coming up next, I'm going to share with you a story of a two-year-old little girl that is fighting for her life and how you can help. My name is Bo Matthews, and this is The Voice of St. Louis KMOX. It is The Voice of St. Louis KMOX. My name is Bo Matthews. It has been a tough year for a lot of people with coronavirus talk, uh, masks or no masks. Uh, the, you know, we're all seeing the headlines of the rioting. And, you know, it's, it's all amazing how we can look at the major headlines that the news agencies put out there. But, you know, what's going on in individual lives is so much more important. And, you know, this is a tough time for a lot of people. And more so, I want to introduce you to a family that has been affected by cancer directly. I've got Rich and Linda Steger on the line, along with uh, Shirley. What's your last name, Shirley? Godsill. 
That's it. That's it. You know what? That's a godsend, I think, that you're even part of this whole project. Um, but I've got the grandparents of a little girl. Her name is Anna. And if you guys could uh, tell me what's going on. She's two years old. Tell me what's going on at this stage of this little girl's life. Okay. Well, she was diagnosed with uh, stage four neuroblastoma. And uh, that was in um, July 11th. And um, this poor little girl, um, she has been through so much in her short little life. Um, she is a mono twin, uh, which means that the, the twins were in the same sack, the same placenta, the same um, fluids. There was no barrier between the twins, so they were at very high risk as far as cord entanglement. Oh, boy. So they were born at 30 weeks, three days. And at a, when Juliana was 11 days old, she had emergency surgery to remove a large portion of her intestines. So she had a little Osti bag for uh, probably a month or about a month. And then they did another operation to connect her intestines back up again. Oh, my goodness. So she has been through a lot in her short uh, short life and her twin uh what, is there an update on her yeah carly um she has been scanned for the cancer and there is no cancer amazing well so, i want to i want to talk to uh, the patriarch of that family grandpa rich are you there yeah i'm here tell me how you're leading this family through all this one day at a time just uh getting through it it's a lot isn't it, it? everything is moving as good as we could could because anna's father passed in uh, December, so we lost him. Oh my! And uh, and so that that in in itself was a lot. And then with this cancer diagnosis, it it just uh, hopefully that's uh, it it's done. It's it's tough being the patriarch, isn't it? It's tough being the the leader of the family. But you know what, you guys, you guys, it sounds like you guys have a village uh, through the Northwest High School Alumni Association. Uh, we got Shirley Godsill on here as well, and you guys are high school uh, uh, schoolmates from way back. And seventy two, <laughs> seventy two. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it was it was a minute ago. Um, yeah. <laughs> but Shirley, uh, we were connected through Facebook. I want you to tell me what you've got going on to raise funds and awareness for this family. You're calling it Anna's Army. Well, Sunday, September twentieth, we're doing a fundraiser at Fenton Bar and Grill, and I'd be happy to give you that address at seven zero seven Rudder Road in Fenton. Yep. Know it well. Okay. Good. And um, we have. We're going to have food and uh, drinks, of course. We have raffle tickets for a gun. We have 50-50 raffle. And we have over 50 baskets for people to bid on. So we really would like for people to come out and support us and support Anna. Help us in any way they can by actually helping Anna's Army. Well, like they say, it takes a village. And you guys have teamed up to do all this. And I'm sure there's a lot more people involved in, in putting this Anna's Army Needs You fundraiser for Anna's fight, but uh, and, and kudos to all of them that are involved. But now it's time to get people to put it on their calendar for Sunday, September 20th, Fenton Barn Grill. And what time is it going to start? It starts at 1 o'clock, and then um, the event's going to be over at 5, and we're going to start doing the uh, draft, the uh, raffle tickets and the 50-50 uh, and, the, and the rifle tickets. 
we'll be pulling those numbers at 4.30. Okay, that's fantastic. Well, I wish you guys a ton of luck. And here's the deal. If if you cannot make it, I know everybody's looking to get out of the house and do something a little bit different. Uh, this may be a great reason. It, and, and Anna is a great reason to get out and try and help out. But if you cannot attend, you can donate to Anna's Army uh, by simply writing a, a check. And surely, since uh, you're kind of uh, leading the charge on this, um, is there is there a page specific for this event uh, that's on Facebook people can reach out to? There is. And that um, page was actually established by her mother, Stephanie Steger. And it's under Anna's Army also. Okay, so just search Anna's Army in Facebook, and you'll be able to get all the information about the event. And if you can't go to the event, you can certainly make a donation with the information that's on there, right? Yes, sir. That'd be awesome. All right. Rich, Linda, uh, prayers for you and your family through this uh, tough time. Shirley, thank you so much for connecting with us, and good luck uh, at the Fenton Barn Grill uh, next Sunday, this uh, the 20th of September. You don't want to miss it. Thank you, Paul. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you very much. And to make it easy, I will actually share the Anna's Army Needs You uh, fundraising flyer on my page, so you can find me on all social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, at Bo Matthews, B-O-M-A-T-T-H-E-W-S. That is going to do it for me. And if you heard something on the show that you want to relive or maybe you want to share it with somebody, it's really easy to do. If you have the Radio.com app uh, loaded down to your device, it's absolutely free on all devices. Just download the Radio.com app and you can listen to it again and you can share it as well. Share it on your social media if you like to. But that's going to do it for me. I'm Bo Matthews. I hope you have a great week. We'll talk soon. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T Mobile.com.